Good morning, planet Earth. Good morning to Utah. Good morning to Sector 3 and Sector 2. Good morning to the creatures that live near the eastern seaboard. They swarm around your ship. You're lost at sea. Good morning to the blimps and the hot air balloons. Good morning to the hang glider freaks somewhere out in California. Good morning to the farmers and the bakers and those frickin' candlestick makers. It is Sunday, September the 12th, 2021, in the age of transcendental Boblimpdok. It is the synchronicity of airwaves and skywaves and laser beams. And I've reached the point where I think all the news we hear is pretty much, you know, bullshit. I know they might be telling some truth, but it's a lot like you know, Cherokee second harvest, you're sifting through your crap to find a, a nut or a corn kernel or a bit of undigested meat to throw back into the pot. But it's not a very satisfactory adventure looking for truth in this sea of shit. And at some point you just get tired, don't you, my friends? Don't you want to take a vacation? Don't you want to get on a ship? Don't you want to travel to someplace really hip? get tired of this reality and say to yourself, Dan, I want to build a sailing ship. I want the sailing ship to have four sails. I want the sailing ship to have an old-timey steampunk steam turbine. I want to be able to power my ship off of driftwood and stale old monkey dreams. You build your ship, son. You build it out of straw. You build your ship that you want. You build a spaceship out of old aluminum cans. You fly to Robot Japan. You make a deal with Alexander Ketchikan and you end up building yourself a rocket ship of love. But are you headed anywhere, my friend? 
Are you going someplace you can relax? Because currently on planet Boblimpdok, most people are jerks. Where do you go on this planetoid that is filled with zombie jerks? Where do you go? Where do you find your way? Where do you transcend to live another day? Where do you go on planet Boblimpdok? I say we should go to Hawaii. Go to Hawaii. Go to Waikiki. Go to Honolulu. Have sex with a hooker. Go to Hawaii. Spend time in Maui. Go surfing with your daddy. And maybe you have a memory. And that's a memory you take with you. Until you die alone being eaten by coyotes. Until you die alone being eaten by coyotes. You have your Waikiki dreams. You have your Maui nightmare and your Maui wowie wowie. We know what that is wowie, don't we? Until they take you away. Until the people, the Polynesian people of Hawaii... Figure out who you are, hooli, howly, hooli. And then you get into some type of fight between the locals and those peoples from California, Kaye. And then it becomes an old-fashioned fight between the Polynesians and the white people and the Japanese folks and the various other colors of the rainbow, all of them are angry, and the volcano shatters the night and says, to you, Hawaii, huzzah, 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 to you, Hawaii, today you shall die. You went to Hawaii, and all its volcanoes blew up, and you watched the island sink into the sea, Are you happy you took that trip? Are you happy you took that trip to Hawaii? That really racist, culturally, you know, appropriating, hey, I'm going to steal the Polynesian man's islands and his beliefs and her religions and all the spirit gods and I'll take pictures and I'll poop everywhere and I'll get the surfboard and I will take the surfboard, which is a sacred thing, and turn it into the, the ridiculous monkey crazy bullshit that humans do because we're crazy and our brains are filled with parasites just like French bulldogs. That's probably why we love French bulldogs.
why we love French Bulldogs. They're so much like us. Their brains are filled with parasites. Their eyes are filled with rage. Their fur smells like a mixture of whiskey, cigarettes, and poop. They're so like us, the Frenchie. So like us. You see, I'm tired of the news. I'm tired of the crap. I was talking to my friend Justin about this, and it's like, I, I, I think, and maybe some of my listeners will be upset, but I'm considering doing a radio show either Saturday or Sunday night. Um, and again, this, this podcast might not end up on the radio. It might. It could end up a classic, and if it does end up on the radio, and you are listening on shortwave, this is 5950 kilohertz. This is Saturday or Sunday night between 11 p.m. and midnight Eastern Standard Time on Planet Boblimptok. Planet Boblimptok. That's B-O. That's blimp. That's talk. Dot com. If you are listening on shortwave, this is WRMI. Out of Miami, Okeechobee. And who knows, maybe this show gets played on a different station, on a different frequency one day. And, and you'll forget the origins and new beliefs will be formed. But I was talking to my friend and I was saying, I'm so tired of the news. I'm tired of the crap. I'm tired of the lies. There is no useful information coming through the internet at this point when it comes to planning. All the business news, all the Federal Reserve economic stuff, all the edicts of the mayor of Washington, D.C. Ta-da! Put on the organ, the mayor of Washington, D.C. That's right, the mayor of Washington, D.C., Mayor Joseph Biden, Mayor Boblimpdok, Mayor King, Mayor Crazy. I don't really think he's in charge of anything. I don't. I think that he's giving orders and barking orders, and it's entirely plausible that we are seeing something right now. It's possible. It could also be lies. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, what I'm about to tell you could be true. It could be an accurate interpretation of events, or it could be the fact that we're still being messed with. But it looks like that quiet civil war scenario could be playing out, and I think that's good news. Because this empire, which was optional, folks, okay? We could make all the changes we wanted to, whatever, to the republic. I don't believe in that stuff any longer, but if you do, that's fine. A free society should be able to suffer a peaceful anarchist like myself. And frankly, you know, peaceful anarchist is basically redundant. Um, anarchism as truly practiced is peaceful. It's the government versions that get, you know, funded that are kind of violent. That being said, um, a truly free society should be able to tolerate somebody like me. I don't want to harm people. I don't want to harm nature. I'm not perfect, and I'm unlikely to ever be dangerous to anybody but myself. A peaceful society should be able to tolerate people like me. 
The fact that people like me, and there's a lot of us, perhaps millions of us in America, the fact that people like me cannot be tolerated tells you a lot about the state of the republic, doesn't it? But the news sucks. And trying to find the truth in it, you might as well keep picking for that second harvest. Find the peanut. Find the corn kernel. Find the little piece of sausage left over from, you know, Schlimpty Schlocks, where you got the Gronkus sandwich, and they shoved in the Brinktus meat. And once that got cooked to steamed up to 300 degrees using the airplane airport oven system, and they say, here, sir, here's your Bronctus sandwich. Now go to that hole over there and cry and shove that sandwich down your Blumptus hole because it's over. <laughs> That's where I go to breakfast. The news is crap. If you want to think of this in engineering terms, and you're some kind of radio guy, the signal currently is noise. It's not to say that there might not be bits of signal in the noise, but your filters have to be pretty good. And usually what you end up with is the Sovietological reality that all you can really do is identify the contradictions. That's it. But really trying to figure out the truth truth just from a set of contradictions isn't really you know, feasible. Um, I don't know, it might be, in some weird chain of reasoning way. Some logician at some university figured out, I, Dan, I have a chain of modal reasoning using second-order logics, generalized set theory, non-Euclidean superdynamics, and a bunch of essays written by graduate students who are dead. have that, Dan. Well, you do, sir. But to me, the news looks like a lot of garbage, and it's just getting tiring trying to find the the undigested corn kernels in the poop. And that's what I feel. It's just, that's what it seems like. It is the second harvest thing. It is the idea that you can pull some undigested food out of the poop pile. And brothers and sisters, friends, neighbors, clown freaks everywhere, juggalo armies of Dr. Freckles Global Tontine Club, that's dfgtc.org, brothers and sisters, whatever. You know, if you want to do that, if you want to spend several hours a day digging through crap to find maybe one little kernel of truth, you do it. I, I'm of the opinion that we are on the verge of a transition and I don't know what it is. I'm certain it's near. I'm certain it's on the horizon. It could be still a year away. If it's a year away, the way it feels right now, the backwards in time, you know, heat death of the trans-temporal nature of this thing, the idea that you can feel the ripples already, if it's still a year away, it's big. Really, really, really big. Like when Jim and I would do podcasts and talk about, you know, scale of events, and I would say a 10,000-year event. Here's a 10,000-year event as a theoretical possibility. A 10,000-year event is an event that, that impacts the whole human race, which means the whole planet, um, and it's so bad that all you have left of the previous epic, which is us, is like one or two paragraphs in an old book. That's a 10,000-year event. 
All the 7,000 or 8,000 years of human history up till now would be reduced to maybe a couple sentences in an old book after it's all said and done. And that's assuming human beings survive. But they can. We do survive events that are that big. What often does not survive is things like technology, art, science, philosophy, literature, common sense. A lot of things don't survive 10,000 year events. But people, you know, do. You know, how could we not? We, we have weird conversations about them. When people ask me about the book of Genesis, I generally say, A, I'm not a theologian. I am a relatively new Christian and I don't claim to be an expert on the Bible. But when someone says to me, well, Dan, you know, Genesis 5 or something where it talks about Noah and stuff, there's not a lot there. And there isn't. There isn't. And even if you go to like the Apocrypha, like the Book of Enoch and stuff like that, you still don't have a ton of language for a period of human history that was probably at least a thousand years, a few hundred years, given the ages of certain characters in that book. But who knows? Who knows? I don't really know for sure. Um, what I do believe is the case is that a 10,000-year catastrophic event is so bad that if the human race does survive, what you have left is a fragment of the previous history. So everything, Wagner, Van Gogh, the Vietnam War, all of it, World War I, World War II, Roman Empire, Chinese history, Indian history, although I think the Indians have had a, a remarkable way of maintaining fairly decent historical works across these 10,000 year events. So maybe the Indian people will do pretty well given their own history with their own books, but we don't know, we just don't know. But the point is all of this history that we have created will be reduced to a few paragraphs here, a few mythological symbols over there. Maybe somebody will leave a cave painting behind and we'll look at it, not us, but people, maybe who knows, a thousand years from now, will look at it and say, holy crap, that's crazy. Those people were crazy. But there won't be much that survives 20,000 years. So if civilization picks up again 20 or 30 or 40,000 years from now, what will be left other than radioactive waste? What will be left other than maybe a few bits of this and that? But what do we build? You know, maybe like the Apollo, the LAM, the Lunar Excursion Module, lower half the base on, on the moon. Maybe we found that on the moon when we went there. Maybe that's why they didn't go back, you know, after the first few times. Because they found debris. They found the ancient debris. The debris that all could see. They found the garbage dump on the moon. Their cryptologists and linguists and super scientists at the NSA decrypted the warning signs near the great, great garbage dump on the moon. In fact, it's really a dumpster fire on the moon. 
because it burns underneath the surface. It, you know, it's really crazy. The dumpster fire on the moon, and they decrypted and, you know, translated this, this text on a warning sign. It says, to all, you know, Grombo freaks who live under the care of, of the great city of Sodom, do not go into the dumpster fire. It's a toxic Grongo dump, but it will be here when we're gone. And all that's left are a few words in Genesis. But we'll be gone. When we're gone away, once the the last of the politicians and the Grombo freaks are gone, when the buildings have turned to dust and all the animals have fed off the bones of the bones, when we are gone and the cities are abandoned, the bats and the wombat bats and the wolf bats and the coyote eagles, when we're gone, and there are still people wearing old, old like REI equipment. In fact, they now worship REI because they got all their camping equipment there. And that's how they survived. Yeah, when we're gone, what will be what will we leave behind that people will even know we were here? I guess you could say the landing um, feat, the landing part of the lunar excursion module, assuming <clears throat> you believe that story, I don't know, maybe it's true. But that would probably still be there. There'd be a few of them, right? A few lem lowers. A few lem lowers on sale for sixty six ninety five fits any NATO five five six. Just kidding. Yeah, but they'd be the, the lower half of a few lems would be left behind on the moon. And sure, they might get beat up by micrometeorites, and they might get tossed about by nearby explosions. But enough of them were left behind that there's a good chance a future species could land on the moon and find some crap left behind. So it's not too implausible that. The Apollo astronauts found the dumpster fire on the moon. And if they did, then it's kind of like, holy smokes, this is good and this is bad. I mean, the human race will be really excited. We found a dumpster fire on the moon. But here's the downer. Here's the negatory. It's not an alien race. It's our dumpster fire. Great, 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 cubed and cubed grandparents left a dumpster fire on the moon for us. 
It's a big radioactive wasteland that will give you cancer. But we should be thankful for the dumpster fire on the moon so we could have hope one day that there will be people who will build their own dumpster fires on Mars. And that's really the, the, the question here. If we did find a garbage dump on the moon, then doesn't it seem likely we might find one on Mars? And if we find one on Mars, like probably in one of those canyons, that's what people would do. It'd be like, listen, we invented this new futuristic technology that gives us free stuff and free energy, and we have to dump our crap someplace. And that weird scientist says, if we keep dumping our garbage into the sun, the sun will become a nova, whatever. We shouldn't do that no more, people. So why don't we just shove some of our garbage into Mars? We could just dump it in the canyons, dump it in the wastelands. Maybe life will spring. Maybe that's how we terraform Mars. We use as a garbage dump. Maybe that's how Mars comes alive. As a garbage dump on Mars. The garbage dump of the red planet. Yes, indeed. What do we make that would be left behind that would last 20,000 years so that when the humans crawled out of the swamp gas again and we stopped eating our own poop and maybe we started doing calculus, except for by then they'll call it Brunctus 57 or maybe the, the Dlimbic technique or maybe calculus will be fused with a book on sex. Imagine all your algebra and all your sex ed in the same book. Imagine how much attention you'd get when it comes to the numbers, baby. Which is a long-winded way of saying that the news drives me crazy. Um, I don't need to talk about Mars or the dumpster fire. I don't know what's coming. I have a feeling we're on the verge of a major transition, but I don't think that makes me special. I think that a lot of people, even creatures that aren't people, might be tuning into some weird stuff right now. You know, I picked up a weird frequency this week, and if, if I remember to, I'll leave, I'll leave it in the notes, and if you are listening on shortwave radio, the notes for this show can be found by going to dfgtc.org slash show notes. That's Delta Foxtrot Golf Tango Charlie dot org slash show notes. And if you pick the right date of the broadcast, and I give everything an EST, not UTC primarily. So if you pick the right date of the broadcast and time, you know, Eastern Standard Time, EST, I said ETC, 
EST, the point is if you have your BRT and your XYT and your UR1X is connected to your DZY, yeah, you're somehow in radio. Yeah, anywho, I might include it, but I picked up this weird frequency this week. And using Mountain Standard Time, the frequency seems strongest between 7.30 p.m. and 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Um, and I was listening on 5.630 kilohertz. And it was very strange. Um, 56.30 kilohertz between 7.30 p.m. and 8.30 p.m., Mountain Standard Time. If you live in Utah and you have a shortwave receiver, even if it's just a Texan like the one I have, listen to the listen to the um, audio file, the pod audio file in the notes, and uh, tell me what you think. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's a washing machine. My friend thinks it's a, a, a radio station. Could be in Europe. But the, the signal's weird. And the thing is, if you've been around shortwave you know that atmospheric effects can kind of warp signals. So anywho, if you're interested and have opinion on that weird signal, you can listen to it and say, Dan, that's a washing machine. Dan, that's somebody jacking off. Dan, that's a woman learning to fall in love again. Somewhere in Vegas. Backwards in time. Someone help that poor woman. Someone help that poor woman. I think that there's some weird mojo. I think other people have noticed it. I'm a Christian, but I would not pretend to connect it to anything like prophecy. I am not a prophet. I try to be an okay Christian, but these days, I don't even want to begin to explain where I've been vis-a-vis my relationship with Christ. It is my business. It's between myself and Jesus. The good news is my faith is strong. The bad news is my heart is becoming a little bit more like stone vis-a-vis my fellow human beings. And that's not a good place to be as a Christian, uh, to end up with a stony heart. Um, heart of rock. And you could say, well, doesn't that mean you're strong? No, actually, in a lot of ways, it means you're weak. You know, a gushy, smushy, warm heart means you're alive. It means you're flexible. It means you're capable of springing back. But that rock gets chipped away. That rock sits there and does nothing. That rock is an empty thing in place of a heart. That rock is cold. Your heart is warm. Your heart is warm and gushy, but that stone is cold and mean. Your heart touches God. That stone touches the devil. Your heart touches Jesus. That stone, that stone is connected to the ancient evil, the ancient freaks, the ancient 
demon soldiers. As human beings, we're born, we're born, and I believe this is true. I'll even be bold here. I think it may even be true for people we classify as sociopaths. It, it could be possible that a lot of the things we label as being organic or genetic when it comes to madness that manifests as darkness, it's possible that it really is nurture over nature. It's possible. I even think it's probably likely. And it's probably, I mean, maybe it's true that there are predispositions. And so if you have the wrong combination of nature and nurture, you can produce a Ted Bundy. But I don't think people like Ted Bundy are inevitable. It doesn't have to be like that. Every single human being, but I'd even go a step further, every living thing, according to what the Lord has given it dominion over, is born with a warm, gushy, fragile in a way, but very strong heart. And as human beings, there are times in our lives where we end up saying, I wish I could turn my heart to stone. I have felt that way a lot in the last few weeks. I wish there was a way to turn my heart to stone. I wish there was a way to close myself off from all the BS and the crap and the human drama and the trauma and the deception and the self-deception and the confusion and the delusion. I wish there was a way to turn my heart to stone. I mean, is there some witch's spell that will turn my heart to stone? Is there something in the water? Is there something in that sage? And I know it's a cop-out, and I know it's crappy. I am, there are people listening to this, if you're listening on shortwave radio, or if you're listening through downloading, I will tell you full, full advice, full information. Um, I am no longer on SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com would shadow ban me. Uh, they would delete donors, actual people that donated. They would delete multiple accounts. It's just, it was ridiculous. And I paid them. I paid them like 160 bucks a year. And I've come to the realization that the one thing I, I there is one thing that none of us have to do at this point. We don't have to be that foolish. We don't have to be that dumb. We don't have to be that naive. I know you want to believe that all these social media platforms kind of work and there's kind of a way through it. But what I've learned in the last decade is just about every time I get my head through the door, the door slams right in my face. And I'm not, and I also, I don't think I'm special. This is not, uh, oh, woe is me bullshit. This happens to a lot of people on YouTube, on SoundCloud, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on whatever the soup du jour of mind screwery, you know, mind manipulation, whatever new social media mind screw is out there. There are lots of people that are banned and shadow banned. 
and double secret probationed and more or less managed is the right word. And I don't know why, and brothers and sisters, you probably don't either. And here's an answer to the riddle. If you're wondering why I'm on shortwave with Brother Stare and all the other classic and ancient icons of the past and future, because there's a lot of cool stuff on shortwave. There's a lot of cool stuff on WRMI, you know. Um, 59.50 kilohertz, right? At least right now for this show. There's a lot of cool stuff. Go to WRMI and... Check out their programming. I recommend it. But, you know, the reason why I'm on shortwave and technically paying for it because I nobody wants to pay to listen yet is because this is it for me. This is it. It's this or CB radio in, in Roosevelt. You know, CB radio, low power FM. I've talked to my friend about this and, you know, maybe even broadcast ham after day zero. <laughs> Who's going to check QRZ? Who's going to be checking QRZ when there's no internet after day zero? And so, oh, I downloaded the latest database. Well, what if it's wrong? And really, why are you going to use it after day zero? Don't you think there are people with shortwave radios that might actually need help? So yeah, I kind of think after day zero, maybe I can broadcast this show from Roosevelt. But for a lot of folks who currently download this as an mp3 file it's gotten harder for them and if godaddy shuts me down literally all that's left for me is sneaker net which means usb drives um you know farmers markets and shortwave radio and that's it and i'm not feeling sorry for myself because you know what like i said there are perhaps millions of people in this country right now that are marginalized by the system for whatever arcane, bizarre, dumb, Hanlon's razor kind of reason. It doesn't even necessarily have to be about some evil cabal. But between you and I, brothers and sisters, we have some fairly destructive people in charge right now. And that's the nicest way of putting it. And I don't even think I'm talking about, you know, the mayor of Washington, D.C., Joseph Biden. I'm talking about where the real power is. And frankly, that is in the banking system. That is in the Federal Reserve. That's where the real power is. Or at least that's where the nexus of power is in the United States. And these are not good people. And they don't care about you. And for all their weird arguments and dot plots and other ridiculous things they say... The people at the Federal Reserve think of you, best case scenario, the way they think about tractors and cars and hamburgers. They just don't care that much. You're just a number. And that's the nicest way to interpret it. Me, personally, I think that we've been under a kind of banker tyranny my whole life and probably longer. And if that's, oh, but that means you're anti-Semitic. No, it doesn't. In fact, the anti-Semitic person would be the person that jumps to that conclusion. Let's just get that out of the way. You know, it's so easy to call racism and anti-Semitism. Get, get rid of all that. A person can be critical of the banking system and not be anti-Semitic. And if a person is charged with anti-Semitism because they don't like the banking system or they don't like the state of Israel, then from my perspective, the real anti-Semite is the person accusing the person. That's the anti-Semite. That's the person we should be 
worried about. But we have really gone off the rails in this country vis-a-vis these issues. We've gotten really confused. And I don't think that's accidental either. I stick to my baseline theory, folks. We are living in a hall of mirrors. It's not just that the news is crap, which is one of the core themes of this podcast today. It's not just that the news is crap, but we are living in a hall of mirrors. And I would say a good technical definition is that we have been living under an ongoing worldwide military psychological warfare operation since at least early 2020. And none of it was accidental. And it's not about the monkey herpes COVID. It's not about the race war. It's not about any of that. That Those are the psyops. And so the only thing I'm certain of is that there are tons of psyops. And even, and even the Afghanistan debacle looks too stupid to be that stupid. If you ask me, I think that was on purpose too. They wanted an open wound. Why would they want an open wound? We have had nothing but psychological trauma for almost two years. So why would they want to toss another hand grenade of trauma into the general conception, the mind space, the collective unconscious of America? It doesn't make a lot of sense. But I will say this, in terms of psychological warfare, it's kind of brilliant. It's probably the last thing you do, though. You see, the thing. this is what I'm certain of. We're being lied to. Pretty certain of that, that there is a kind of plan in this, that we are being exposed to psyops, and that whoever they are who's in charge, they don't control the schedule. If if it was about killing a bunch of people, they would have we would have gone to sleep one night in October of 2019, and we would have never mostly woken up. They know how to do that. They know how to rank order population centers. They know how to target neutron bombs. I'm pretty certain that it would take them about one night and they could call it World War III the next day. They could use mainly fourth generation nukes, neutron bombs, very low residual radiation. And there you go. World War III, 80% of the population gone, blah, 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 blah. Let's move on. If that were the plan... That would have made a lot more sense. The biological warfare thing does not make sense. I've never come across anybody in the field of biological engineering or computer science engineering who's ever stated, well, you can build systems so complicated that they can do useful things. Let me explain what I mean. Nanotechs can etch out little parts. They can etch out little parts and even put them together. They can build tiny little motors. But the interesting things we're going to want nanites to do are going to involve a lot more complexity than that, which means that they'll be capable of doing other things. So almost baked into the whole nanotechnology dilemma is the simple fact that any tiny machine complicated enough to do something useful for us probably has a high likelihood of getting out of control. And if, you know, if this was in one of Michael Crichton's books or something, I don't really read Michael Crichton. So I I don't know if he would have said the same thing. But what I would say is the following. A technology that's sufficiently advanced enough to service the human race in a useful way potentially becomes a technology that can become complex enough that it wants to service itself. And you can think of that in terms of things like artificial intelligence and robots, too. 
So when people say, well, Dan, they want to infect the human race with a biotechnology, whatever, maybe, but that's a suicidally stupid move. I mean, anything, anything complicated enough that it would do something useful when, when they inject it into you would potentially be something they would have no control over. That's the problem. And this is something they know. So I don't really think they do it. But as a PSYOP, as a, as a giant form of mass-engineered hysteria, the COVID is freaking brilliant. It takes advantage of decades of fear-mongering around health and talking about how health is so critical and making doctors and nurses out to be demigods. Listen, as, as psychological warfare ops go, COVID-19 is pretty brilliant. And I kind of saw part of it in one of my podcasts in 2019, in a way, I kind of, I thought about it as a possibility, but then I dismissed it because I saw it in the perspective of germ warfare. But when you eliminate the germ, then what you really do have is a completely controllable plague, because here's the best part, the plague, the actual plague does not exist. It's in your head. And it, can, and it can live in your head because you will exhibit symptoms and you will get fevers and people you know will get the cold or flu and I'll call it COVID. And since I know hundreds of thousands of people die in American hospitals every year from preventable hospital-acquired infections, that means diseases you get at the hospital that kill you that you didn't have to. Hospital-acquired infections. I can take those hospital-acquired infections worldwide, and I can take that plus the flu, plus decades of mental conditioning, turning almost all quote-unquote sane people into weird germaphobes, and presto bango, you have the COVID. It was kind of brilliant. And in some ways, yeah, we should have seen it coming, but the problem was, even the people said, but what about the Olympics in 20, whatever, 2012? Here's what I would say. What they showed us was the lie. They didn't really show us the truth. If that was an attempt at revelation, it didn't really reveal the truth. It just simply pumped us for the lie. <laughs> the reality is, a fake pandemic is way smarter than a real one. Way smarter. If you have the resources, if you if you have the right network of corrupt people and ding, 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 the United States government, the CIA, and a few of our friends, <coughs> Israel, they have the right networks. They know the right people. If you know the right people and you know the right governments and you make the right deals, a fake pandemic is way more brilliant than a real one. And you say, well, Dan, what if they want to kill a lot of people? Listen, if they want to kill us, the best way to kill us probably would be using nuclear weapons um, because it's simply more reliable. If you were going to poison people, you still might not want to use a germ. You might just want to poison the food supply. Give people a multi-stage toxin. There are these things, toxins that you can do, you could theoretically do in stages because stage one can accumulate in the fat 
stage two as a binary toxin you take when you get potato chips next year. So in theory, you could set people up for mass killing, food supply, water supply. There are way smarter ways to, of doing this, but having some random lab accident and then the weird, we're moving around the world kind of pandemic that for some strange reason did not impact Chinatown, Seattle in 2020, where I was living, that's just too implausible to believe. So yeah, if you're going to do a pandemic, especially if you're going to use a vaccine, let's say they want to kill people with the vaccine. I don't even know if that's true. But for the sake of argument, let's say they want to kill you with the vaccine. The smartest way to kill you would be slowly. If you kill people quickly, immediately people are going to say, holy crap, this vaccine is bullshit. But the, here's the problem, brothers and sisters, and this is why I'm talking about living things and complexity. Not all human beings are the same. Some human beings are filled with poison. Some human beings run marathons. Not all human beings are the same. And why is this important? It means that if you were going to expose the whole world population to some vaccine, some drug, some poison, whatever, and let's say the vaccine was designed to kill you statistically in two years, statistically, there are going to be some people who die the very same day. They're going to be people who have allergic reactions. So here's the thing. If the COVID is BS, even if they were simply giving people saline shots, there's a probability that that saline shot could trigger some weird allergic reaction. So even if they were handing out saline and the COVID was BS, it would still be murder. But if you're going to do mass murder with a vaccine, then here's the deal, your best case scenario, you're still going to have day zero through day whatever deaths on the outliers. There are going to be people who will respond to that toxin or that virus or whatever too quickly. Now, the thing about the current vaccine is it looks like it is killing people. And so let's just think on this. It is possible that the vaccine could be used to kill people. But what is simply obvious to me is that if th this pandemic were a thing that was triggered by some organization, it's way smarter to do a fake pandemic and then use that as an excuse to do something like killing people with a slow cancer. I don't know. Or, or basically sterilizing the human race or who knows what other dreck or garbage. But brothers and sisters, I still stick to the theory that even the vaccine, even if people have bad reactions to it, which again could be psychological, could be real, even the vaccine could be simply part of the same PSYOP. All of it designed to do one thing, mainly to keep you angry, to keep you confused, to keep you immobilized, to keep you paralyzed, to mostly keep you at home and to keep you off the oceans, out of the skies, and for the most part, not going anywhere at all. I don't know why they want that message as their PSYOP message, but that is their simple PSYOP message. Don't go anywhere. Why would anybody tell billions of people for almost two years, 
to just don't go anywhere. That's crazy. It's not a Bond villain plan. It's not. It doesn't look very smart. It kind of looks like what you do when you don't control the timeline and you kind of think something's coming that's going to make all this irrelevant. Because remember, ding, ding, ding. There are events so big that's all that all that's going to be left over 10,000 years from now are a few sentences, a few paragraphs. And are you really just going to spend that space saying George Soros sucked and Bill Gates was a jerk? Because people won't even know who you were talking about. No, hopefully you'll have a few sentences about we went to the moon. We, what else did we do? We went to the moon, we built some computers, we drove us some cars, and, you know, we drank us, you know, we went to some bars. But what would we put in the few paragraphs for 10,000 year in the future people to read? Who knows? Who, who knows? I believe that they're lying to us. I believe that these are psychological warfare operations. And I also don't know what the truth of the vaccine is because I'm way too jaded at this point. And what's funny is the purpose of this podcast, which is almost over, was to not talk about the news, but to talk about going to going to Hawaii, going to France or going to futuristic robot France or building a time tunnel to find those space ants from Sector 3 who will bring us to the magical tree where the dancing people of the Grimbic Mountains will say to us, come forth, come forth, come forth, because the world is crap, but you don't have to cry. You don't have to cry. There's something up in the sky. A glowing red orb. It's called the sun. I didn't want to talk about the monkey herpes, which is what I call the COVID. I didn't really want to talk about Afghanistan, which is to me a giant, for whatever else it is, it is a giant open wound, both physically and psychically. And I think it impacts a lot of people in horrible ways. If it is just a big mistake, which I don't believe, I don't think any of it was accidental, but if it was all accidental, the net effect is to piss people off. If it was on purpose, it still pisses people off, but then you have to ask why. Why would you want to enrage hundreds of millions of Americans? Why would you want to, with weird edicts about everybody's gotta get vaccinated, except for the Postal Service. It's absurd nonsense. Everybody has to get vaccinated except for Congress people and senators and certain analysts. Everybody needs the vaccine, but if you're a 55 to 65-year-old nuclear engineer at a boiling water nuclear plant on the East Coast, you're exempt, Bubba. Oh, we might come by with the General Electric guy. We might... LARP it, stick plastic on your arm, but you'll know it was fake. You'll know it was fake, buddy. We don't want that reactor melting down. We don't want those people in that town to turn green. They'll turn green from radiation. 
So you don't have to have the vaccine, buddy. It's absurd nonsense. And you can have debates about whether they could do it or not. I don't think they can. But the impact of it is to enrage people, to immobilize people, to drive them crazy. So why would anybody do that for two years? It's not a Bond villain plan. I don't think it's Hanlon's razor. I don't think it's a fiasco. So why would you mind screw a huge portion of the human race, or at least the United States, for two years plus, or at least two years? Why would you do that? If you can answer that question, then you've figured out what's coming. The problem is, is when I think about it, none of it looks good. And it does not look like nuclear war. Sorry. Like I said, if they were going to do World War III sometime in October 2019, you would have gone to sleep and it would have been over, mostly, statistically. If you lived in certain cities, it would have been over. That's what, that's what would have happened. They wouldn't have spent months and months and months. In fact, if they're talking about it, and this is another way of thinking about it, if they talk about it, they're probably not going to do it. I mean, a lot of the talk around the war with China right now is very high-level BS chatter, and none of it looks that real. So in some ways, you could say, if they're spending time talking about it, it probably, maybe it's not going to happen, you know? Or at least it's 50-50. Maybe it's real, maybe it's not. Because there's always a purpose to that kind of chatter from a propaganda perspective, a different angle. So, Well, my bros and sisters... This episode of the Planetary Status Report is almost over, and if you've been listening on shortwave radio, this would be 5950 kilohertz WRMI out of Miami Okeechobee. From that swamp, a creature shall arise. From that swamp, it'll have 57 eyes. From that swamp, an octopus queen shall be its wife. And then the alligators will join forces... And the Drumbly Freaks will form a band. And then the snakes. And then the snakes. From that swamp. And if you need the notes for this podcast broadcast, just go to dfgtc.org slash show notes, pick the right date according to Eastern Standard Time, and get the right notes. Okay, Bubba? And yeah, we should have gone to Hawaii, but instead we ruminated on the present. The present is an oyster of pain. The present is filled with cobwebs and dolls with eyes busted out. The present is filled with mildew. The present, the present time is infested with rats or time rats. The present is infested with time rats and time bats. They travel through time to disturb your day. We need to get beyond it. We need to be open to next level thinking. We have to have that breath. Now.